This is Indian Noir, India's number one horror, crime and dark fantasy storytelling podcast. A recollection from decades ago. Virat was in his 20s. He was being trained by Uncle Idea in his forest hideout in the art of sharpshooting. They stayed in a hastily crafted hut, which was a puzzle of bamboo and long leaves. Rainy days and cold nights made their presence felt inside and outside the hut. It hardened the bodies and minds of Idea's students. Suffering is an essential ingredient in the creation of the perfect assassin, Idea used to say. There was something else in the remembrance. A man slightly older than Vidat, another one of Uncle Idea's trainees. He was firing at bottles arranged in a row on a low-hanging branch of a creeper-laden tree. Each time a bullet found its mark and shattered the glass, wild birds cried an alarm from the canopy that blotted out the sky. He's good, isn't he? Vidat said. Perhaps as good as you, Idea said. Virat smiled. I doubt it. Idea patted Virat on the shoulder and returned the smile. What's his name? Virat asked. He has no name, Idea said. Oh, does he at least have a story? Virat asked in an incredulous tone. That he does. An interesting one at that. Ah, wait, the tea must be ready. Sit here. I will tell you in a second, Idea said. Virat continued watching the nameless man, engaging in his firing practice, as Uncle Idea poured hot black tea from a utensil bubbling away over a fire pit in front of the hut. Idea handed Virat a small glass, before settling down on a rock and sipping the hot beverage. His parents, who were trade union activists, kicked him out of their home when they realized they couldn't curtail his violence towards other children and his unbridled cruelty towards their neighbor's pets. So he wandered the countryside, selling his worst qualities to the highest bidder, beatings and extortion gigs. Then he decided to graduate to the big league and took on a contract to kill two people who were organizing strikes against an international cool drinks company that was underpaying its workers. His own parents, Idi said. Virat spat out his tea in shock and said, What? Uh, Did he do it? What do you think? Uncle Idy said with a smile, as he gazed at the nameless student. 
from the look on your face, I think he did butcher and bury his parents. I also think he's well on the way to becoming your favorite. You admire his cruel heart, Vidat said. The young man had stopped firing, and he now strolled towards his spectators. He halted midway, then waved the gun up in the air and challenged Vidat. Best of ten. What do you say, Vidat Nadiman? Vidat accepted his challenge without hesitation, and won effortlessly. And he had been doing so against the cold-blooded killer ever since. Clients had always preferred Virat for jobs that needed to be done cleanly, which was the case with most contract killings. Uncle Arya had expressed his dismay at his other student being overlooked, who by that stage had gifted himself a suitable name, Nishachar. Nishachar had a reputation for loving cruel acts of butchery a tad too much. So he was only assigned jobs which called for performative acts of extreme violence that served as deterrence. Vidat had always considered himself superior to the likes of psychopaths like Nishachar. But now, as Virat gazed at the scarred face of the man from inside the damaged vehicle which also hosted his injured son, Virat was not feeling so confident. Nishajar clearly had learned to be stealthy and, dare he say, mastered it over the decades. Your friend Sartaj gave me this beautiful mark, Nishajar said, pointing to his face. The bluish-pink mark ran diagonally across his countenance, left to right, like a smear of war paint. Good. Now you are ugly inside and out, Vidat said. Great to see you are in good spirits, old friend. And I want to hear your jokes come thick and fast when I carve my name into your face, Nishajar said, opening the car door and dragging Virat out. He punched Virat in the belly, forcing the concussed hitman to exhale and bend down at his waist in pain. Nishajar patted his quarry down thoroughly and extracted two handguns hidden away in Virat's clothing. He flung the weapons into the distance and said, Now we can begin. Season 3, Episode 13 of His Night Begins.
Nishachar pushed Virat onto the parched soil with the satisfied look of a snake catcher who had defanged a cobra. That is exactly where a dried up piece of shit like you belong, Nishachar said. Virat quickly glanced at Praveen through the open side door. His son was staring into consciousness. Virat tried to get up, only to find Nishachar's boots sink into his chest. He fell on his back, the impact sending streaks of pain up and down his left shoulder. Virat sat up and dragged himself backwards for some distance before popping his shoulder back in again. The attempt was imperfect and it gifted him more pain. But at least it was not hanging loose. Stand up and head that way, Nishajar said, pointing to the embankment's sloping path down into the abyss. Virat stood up. His body ached and sharp pangs of agony assailed his injured limbs. The damaged shoulder and feet tormented his mind, dulling his focus on the danger at hand. Virat slapped himself across his face a few times, willing his mental faculties and perceptions to come alive. You are going to throw me down into the ravine, are you? Virat said. How perceptive. You were always a quick thinker. Nishachar responded. Virat walked sideways till he was face to face with the vehicle so he could check on Praveen. His son was still dazed from the effects of the crash. Nishachar placed himself between Virat and the automobile and started walking him downslope. There is only one end to this. You plunging head down into the rocks below. The vultures will strip the meat on your bones in half a day, and your skeleton will remain here, forever, enshrined as a mark of failure, Nishachar said. What was it that irked you the most? The fact that I was actually the go-to man for the jobs that required brains, or that your kills were so messy it drew the attention of the police to some of your clients and got them arrested. If it's advice you're looking for, I'm retired now. I'm thinking of consulting in this space. Although, an idiot like you will struggle to understand the finer points of assassin craft. Virat mocked him as he walked backwards. Nishachar rushed forwards and threw a punch at Virat. Virat ducked and the strike missed its mark. You even killed my uncle, our teacher. I suppose I shouldn't expect any better from a man who completed a contract on his own parents, Virat said. Another haymaker was thrown Virat's way, which also missed the mark. But then Nishachar immediately struck out his boots and caught Virat flush in his belly, knocking the wind out of him. Virat reeled and sat on one knee after feeling the painful effect of the attack. He breathed big gulps of air to recover. Nishajar delivered another kick aimed at Virat's head, but this time Virat caught his opponent's leg, 
placed the ankle in his armpit and rolled with it to the right in an improvised jujitsu footlock, breaking Nishacha's ankle in the process and bringing him down to the ground with a huge thud. Nishachar screamed and lashed out with his good leg, this time catching Virat flush in his face, breaking the hitman's nose. Virat landed hard on the back of his head and he saw stars swimming in his field of vision. Nishachar ignored the devastating pain in his ankle and dragged himself towards Virat. He climbed on top of the hitman who was lying on his back straddled him with his powerful thighs, rose up and rained a frenzied bout of punches. The powerful blows damaged some of Virat's teeth and crafted hairline fractures in his jaw and orbital bones. Blood seeped out of Virat's mouth and oozed out of big gashes that exposed deeper layers of the skin. A winded Nishachar, whose arms were aching and lungs were burning, from the sustained period of physical assault, stopped to take a breather. The searing pain from the ground and pound move served to wake up Virat. His face a mask of pain, Virat shrimped sideways and caught Nishachar flush on his jaw with a powerful right-handed strike. Virat then grabbed onto the back of his enemy's neck, pulled him down, and elbowed him so hard it broke his jaw clean. Nishajar rolled away in pain. Virad mustered lagging reserves of strength in his body and sat up to check on Praveen once again. Praveen was now conscious and he stared at Virad with his bloodied face. There was a concerned look in his eyes. Virat smiled at him and nodded. He then turned his attention back to Nishachar. Both combatants took in deep breaths to recover and readied themselves for another round. They then both stood up slowly and painfully and faced off against each other. Nishachar produced a knife from the back of his pants and wielded it menacingly. Virat could hear Praveen start the vehicle. Good boy, try to get away, Virat thought. The vehicle struggled to wake up and when it finally did, Virat could hear the back wheels struggling to obey Praveen's attempts to reverse the automobile. Nishajar lunged forward on his good foot, dragging the broken one alongside like an oar. He arced the blade diagonally in a manic series of slashes as Virat backed away to avoid them. Virat finally copped a gash which tore the flesh open from the top of his left shoulder all the way down to his navel. Blood poured out of the groove in his body and saturated his top in moments. Virad ignored the pain as he focused his ears on Praveen's struggle to reverse the vehicle. Forget the vehicle. Run away, kid! Virat wanted to shout out to Praveen. Returning his focus back to Nishachar, Virat bent down, 
grabbed a handful of dirt and threw it into the villain's eyes. The wily contract killer was clued in on Virat's intentions and he covered his eyes with his forearm just in time. He still copped some particles in his eyes and staggered back in an attempt to clear it. Virat remembered the knife he had strapped to his left lower leg inside his pants. He reached down, only to find it missing from its designated sheath. I must have lost it in the struggle, he thought. Virat decided to take advantage of Nishachir's distracted state as the hitman tried to rub the dirt out of his eyes. Virat rushed forwards in a rugby tackle. His muscular frame crashed into Nishachar's midsection and at that exact time, the psychopath plunged his knife into Virat's back. A painful sensation overwhelmed Virat's senses as he tackled Nishachar to the ground and flopped onto the vile man's torso. Then, a temporary paralysis shut down his body. After taking a few moments to recover from the trauma Virat had unleashed on his core, Nishachar successfully pushed Virat off him. Nishachar stood up, coughing up blood and bile. He looked up at Praveen, who had managed to reverse the vehicle up the slope and back away from the rock it had crashed into. Nishachar's jaw skewed at an impossible angle as he tried to smile at the teenager's pathetic attempts to escape. Yes, try to run, you little rat. Try to run. I am coming for you after I am done with your father, he thought. He turned to look at Virat, who lay at his feet, bruised and bloodied and battered. Virat blinked away the blood which was threatening to cloud his vision. When his eyes finally focused properly, he found Nishachar verbalizing something, which Virat understood as a threat to harm Praveen. Nishachar raised his knife, dropped to his knee and slammed it hard just below Virat's sternum. The blade plunged deep into the hitman's entrails. Nishachar dragged the weapon downwards, ripping open Virat's belly. He let out a guttural laughter to match Virat's screams. His entire being was devoted to watching his arch-enemy perish at his hands. His undivided focus was geared towards relishing his victim's miserable end. He had finally triumphed over the so-called greatest contract killer in India. That was his crown now. Even as he was drowning in an ocean of pain, Virat called on his mind to check on his son's welfare. He was surprised at what the quick glance to the right revealed. Virat snapped his attention back to the arrogant visage of Nishachar and said, 
Shame. Our teacher is not here to see me kick your ass one last time. Nishachar looked at him quizzically. The cold-blooded murderer had failed to notice that instead of backing the vehicle all the way up to the highway, Praveen had let the automobile roll down the hill towards the two combatants engaged in a mortal struggle. The metal projectile built up speed as it raced down the slope. As he lay on his back dying, Virat coughed up blood and managed one last crimson smile as he invoked his final reserve of strength and planted both his feet on Nishachar. He shoved him backwards onto the path of the uncontrolled vehicle just as it reached them. The bulk of the vehicle smashed into Nishachar's upper body and as he landed sideways, it ran over him and crushed his body. It also ran over Virat's legs, shattering them to a bloody pulp. The vehicle raced downhill and launched itself off the edge and began a speedy freefall into the ravine below. It crashed and produced an almighty explosion which silenced the carrion birds in the sky. Praveen, who had jumped off the driver's seat, just as the vehicle started its destructive descent down the slope and killed his father's attacker, ran down to be near his father, who was in a bad way. Father, he said. Praveen struggled to lift Virat's head up to place it on his lap. He cried hot tears into the hitman's bloodied face. Father, he said tearfully. I'm not sure about your abilities as a driver anymore. Virat said as he tried to smile. But the agony of his mortal wounds won, and all he could manage was a wink to accompany his joke. Praveen cracked a half-smile and tried to wipe the blood away from his father's face. Then his eyes fell on the impossibly wide abdominal wound, and he wailed in misery. No, no, don't cry. Doesn't, doesn't suit you. Virat said, gently slapping Praveen on the cheeks with a bloody hand. Praveen tried to stop, but he failed to curtail the anguish in his soul. Is he dead? Virat asked, trying to lift his head to look in the direction where Nishachar lay. Praveen looked. Nishachar's head was crushed by the underside of the vehicle and brain matter poured out of it in foamy pink rivulets. His body was a mangled wreck of flesh and bones arranged at impossible angles. Praveen nodded. It's done then, Vidat said. Then he coughed up more blood.
I can't feel anything below my waist. Praveen looked down at his father's legs that were shattered beyond recognition. It's going to be okay, father, is all he could manage to say, even though he realized his words didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense that he grieved for this man. It didn't make any sense that he had killed someone to save him. It didn't make sense that he had finally achieved what he always wanted. To be alone. To be free from the past. Yet, Praveen didn't understand why it hurt so much to say goodbye. Praveen, I'm sorry that your mother and sister are not here for you. It was my... I'm sorry, Vidat said. Father, Praveen began to say something and then stopped. You, Virat said, running his hand over Praveen's hair. I'll be fine, Praveen said. I know, I, I know, Virat responded. Then he became still in his son's arms. Praveen refused to look down at the vacant gaze in Virat's eyes. He declined to look down at his father's bloodied, inert chest. Instead, he gazed at the treetops, where a mighty wind had suddenly picked up. It swayed the branches aggressively, before journeying over the yawning chasm that stretched out from the edge of the embankment, and travelled eastwards to the dense forest in the distance. Something savage and primal, returning to the wilderness that birthed it. Praveen let his father's body slide to the ground and stood up. He wiped his tears with the back of his hand and climbed back up the slope towards the highway. Several years later. The medical devices beeped and trilled rhythmically, and the oxygen pump wheezed terminally in a bare and sad room located in a rundown lodge in Chorbazar. An elderly man lay on a decrepit bed, attached to the array of equipment a translucent white blanket drawn over his sore-ridden body. His chapped lips muttered incoherent words, and his temple creased and uncreased as memories assailed his mind 
which was in a state of decay. Although most of his faculties were failing him, his hearing was still sharp. And when the young man entered the room, the wily old fox blinked open his eyes. It took him a while to focus his vision. Uncle Idea, the youngster said. It's Praveen. Idea removed his oxygen mask and peered at the face leaning over him. Praveen, the youngster repeated. What? Idea said. I am Virat's son, Praveen said. Ah, hmm, you found me, he said, raising his head before a coughing fit forced him down back onto the filthy pillow. <coughs> Praveen rubbed Idea's chest in a circular motion. You didn't leave, Idea said after a while. No, I didn't. How did you find me? Some friends helped me out. Hmm, must be your father's friends. Something like that. Uncle Idea studied the walls to the right with its flaky paint and small craters which resembled the surface of a corrupted moon. You figured out the truth, Idea said. I've had lots of spare time to figure things out, Uncle. Father told me everything that happened when I was in the rehab clinic. And what he didn't tell me, I filled the blanks with stories from others. And a curious detail emerged that the great Virat Nariman missed. His habit of calling you before big missions and every time he was intending to make a life-changing move brought the syndicate to his doorstep. Praveen said. Idea smiled, as if he had just come across a crude joke scrawled on the shabby wall. Praveen continued. Remember when he tried to escape from India and take Dr. Nirmala along with him to Bali? The syndicate thugs were able to reach the site and kill her and gun down my father because he foolishly trusted you and rang you beforehand to seek your blessings. And what did you do? You told your former employers. I have always been their loyal employee. In this business, the hand that feeds you is more sacred than your own family. Loyalty to your brotherhood over loyalty to your blood, Heidi said. And that is why your former student Nishachar spared you? Praveen inquired. Maybe. I would like to think the kid respected his teacher. Because I taught him everything, including the skills that he used to kill your father. I know he died in the process, but my top student bested the great Virat Nariman. Uncle Idea said, You're assuming my father is dead, Praveen said. I know so, Idea said. The man you corrupted died. 
the man he became in the end? He still lives in my heart, Praveen said, slapping his chest. So, you are here to take your revenge, Adi said. I am, Praveen said. How are you going to do it, I wonder? Will you suffocate me with a pillow or sabotage the medical equipment? Adi said. I'm going to leave you to rot to death of natural causes. Coward, Uncle Adi said. You are not your father's son. I told you about my father. In the end, he was not the abused boy who fell into your vile hands. He was not the youngster you influenced to take up the way of the gun. Hell, he was not even the man whose violent reputation brought you the glory of being one of the greatest assassin trainers in India. In the end, he was a guardian angel to many, including myself. He was an avenger for righteous souls. So, I am my father's son, and I am not going to raise my hand in anger or hate. I will let nature eat away at your body and soul, Praveen said. Bah! You are not Virat, son. You are a weakling. You don't have the balls to do what's necessary. Praveen stood up, gave a respectful nod and exited the room. Praveen could still hear Uncle Arya calling him a coward from his deathbed as he descended the rickety stairs. You are a coward! You are a coward! Praveen looked up at the entrance to the room one last time and then walked into a courtyard decorated with beer bottles and syringes and the occasional condom. He waved a goodbye to the receptionist who was reading a porn magazine while seated right below a garlanded photo of Goddess Lakshmi and exited the building. He stepped onto a busy street thronging with merchants, promoting massive discounts in loud sing-song tones and eager shoppers looking to score cheap bargains. He approached a white van which was parked in front of a textile shop and climbed into the driver's seat. The sign on the van's side panel read, Angel Heart Rescue. Call our human trafficking hotline 2565-9245, 24 hours a day. Seated on the passenger side, scrolling through her social media feed was a colleague who Praveen had developed some strong feelings for in the last year and a half. He just hadn't worked up the courage to ask her out. The young woman who was the same age as him placed her phone on the dashboard and tapped her watch impatiently. Mr. Driver, I thought I was going to die of old age sitting here waiting for you, Arpida said. I'm sorry, Praveen offered. You can buy me jalebi with the afternoon tea. I prefer that over your soggy sorry she said, slapping his arm playfully. Where to? Praveen asked. Silapet, 
there is an illegal brothel located right behind a bakery on Pradhan Street, Arpida said. All right, you call the police. I will make sure you get there in 15 minutes, Praveen said as he stepped on the gas. A memory dawned on him at that exact moment. Praveen and his father driving to the border before the ill-fated encounter with Nishachar. He had cracked a joke. Praveen couldn't remember what it was. But he remembered his father joining in on the laughter. Praveen smiled at the reminiscence and then let it go. He refocused his attention on the road as the van merged with the traffic and took him on another mission to grant mercy.